Don't allow this time, given all the chaos and circumstances that's going on, do not allow this, let this time take control of where you want to go, what you want to be, whatever you want to accomplish. Take this time for what it's worth, because I, I know a lot of people are on the front line, so they're probably working overtime. But for those that are the opposite of that, try your very best to improve yourself. Try your very best to improve yourself. And that could be open to a, a, an array of different things. Like I discussed earlier, try to be a better person. Try to be a better teammate. If you're into spirituality, try to be better at that. You know, if, if you have a partner or spouse, married, not married, try to be a better partner. Try to be a better father. Try to be a better mother. You know, try to be a better brother to your siblings. And that would be my takeaway in all of this and in, in, in trying to force myself to focus on taking this as an opportunity to spend time and, and do things that I wouldn't usually do. Hi, this is Josh, and this is The Joshua Spodek Show, formerly Leadership in the Environment. I still bring you leaders in the area of the environment in the form of leaders and role models. Everyone treats stewardship like a burden or a chore, deprivation, sacrifice. So did I until I actually tried it seriously. It is a joy. Everything about it. We're here to share that joy. Meet amazing world-renowned people from all parts of life. Hear about them, what the environment means to them, and hear most of them find something meaningful to act on and then to share their experience. Why? Because stewardship and acting to help others for something greater than all of us creates about the greatest feeling humans can get, as does fresh air, clear water, delicious food, and clean land. That's what we're bringing you. I love talking to professional athletes. Today, I'm talking with Chris Manhertz, a tight end in the NFL with the Carolina Panthers. We cover three main things and partly fourth in this episode. The first is making the NFL to play as a professional National Football League player, never having competed in football before. He played basketball in college, but made it into the NFL, and he's now five seasons in as a tight end, which is a pretty tough, well, we talk about that in the episode. Also, the second thing is playing during a pandemic. Sports are hit as hard as anything, and sports, this is one of the major things that brings people together. Athletes reach their potential. What happens when you're cooped up and you can't go out and practice like you normally would? We talk about that. How is he responding? How can we all respond? The third is naturally the environment. And the part fourth is philosophy and stoicism. And I'll leave that as a kind of teaser for you now because we get into it toward the end here. But I'll leave this as the big thing. If you want to reach your potential, especially when you're cooped up, people like Chris Manhurts help you. So here's Chris. Welcome to the Leadership and Environment Podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with NFL player Chris Manhurts. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very good. Glad to have you here. I have to preface this with something for my listeners. Everyone who knows me, I'm a pretty geeky guy. And whenever I say I love watching football, they're always like, why? I'm like, how can you not love watching football? It's like, I just love watching the game. And so glad to have you here. Thank you. Uh, Thank and you. listening to me, like talking about my being geeky. And if it's okay with you, I, I want to start with that you didn't play football in college and then you just started with the NFL. And it seems like a rare thing to happen and an amazing thing to happen. And as someone who's decided to take on a role of like, where a lot of people say, oh, what you do doesn't matter. And a lot of people around the environment say that. And I have a feeling I'm going to be inspired by your story. But I'm, if you haven't told it too many times, I wonder if you could share how this happened. Well, the opportunity with football uh, kind of came up shortly after I graduated. I played four years of Division One 
basketball at a small school called Canisius College in Buffalo, New York. And uh, upon graduating, uh, once my senior season was over, the Buffalo Bills kind of reached out to me and um, the athletic department at Canisius. And over time, I realized that they heard about me just, just from word of mouth in terms of just some big athletic kid, you know, playing on the basketball court that has a football body. And I guess through word of mouth, it, it came out and they just gave me an opportunity. It was one of those things that I didn't really expect uh, at the time, but also it, it, it served as a good, you know, uh, path for me to to get into something um, outside of my comfort zone and to at least try at the time. And did the word of mouth, did you instigate it or did someone, did a mutual friend do it or was it just like a, a scout? It was a scout. It was a scout. It was a scout from the, uh, the Buffalo Bills department. And, you know, they reached out to my head coach and, um, you know, just expressed interest in just giving me a workout. A lot of guys, hundreds of guys around the league have free agent workouts. That doesn't mean they get signed. That doesn't mean they get picked up. But um, it was one of those opportunities where I was like, listen, I have very little to lose here in terms of trying this thing out. The worst thing that could possibly happen is um, them saying, you know, de- declining the workout. I, de- I don't do well and I'll just resume playing basketball. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were scared, but it sounds like you're kind of playing with the house's money. You got nothing to lose. Were you just going and have fun? I was still uh, very much apprehensive because I did not know anything. I did not know nothing. I, I was just going out there and doing what I was told in terms of, you know, the litmus test for being an athlete, running a 40-yard dash, you know, uh, lifting weights, you know, being agile, just being an athlete, um, certain things that you just can't teach. So I was just apprehensive at the fact that this was just new territory, but I was also open and knowing that, you know, I really have nothing to lose if all else fails. Now you're tight end now. Were they trying out for a particular position or was it? It was a tight end. I've been tried as a tight end and that's a position that I currently play. So thankfully I wasn't moving around in terms of what position I should play. Because I feel like that's one of the harder positions. It's not like it's such a diverse, isn't it? Like, you know, what I do, isn't it a really diverse role where you can do lots of different things and under different coaches, it'll be different. In my opinion, I think it's probably the hardest position outside of the quarterback position, obviously, because as a tight end, you're asked to, you're kind of a hybrid between a receiver and an offensive lineman. So you kind of have to know both of those worlds. You kind of have to understand the route concepts, the playbook in that regard. And you also have to, you know, understand the run game, understand the pass game, be in accord with the offensive line. So it's one of those things where you, at that position, it's a high demand for, for I guess, intelligence and um, understanding of uh, what your role is. It feels like you really, it's like, here's your chance to jump in the deep, deep, deep end. How long did it take before you got the hang of it? Still getting it? Or? Still, still getting it. I'm still learning. Definitely much further along than... I was five years ago, but um, I, I think it's one of those ever-evolving processes of, you know, you, you can never learn enough. Um, you're always on a quest to, to try to improve and add things to your game. So um, I'm still learning, and I'm not afraid to say that I'm still learning. And um, I'm also excited in knowing that, you know, I have a long way to go. Do you still feel like you're playing with the house's money, if that's the right way to look at it? Or like, do you still feel like, I can't believe, I kind of am reading from you, like, I can't believe this is still happening. But also this professionalism, like you're, you're not like joking around. You're not. You're right. 
at this at this time, five years in, five plus years in, it, it kind of shows that I do belong now. And over time, you start to believe that you you do belong, and this is not a you know you can't ride on the wave of luck. You know that runs out over time, and to be consistently doing this for for several years now, I could only hang my head on the fact that okay, I'm doing this for uh, longer than normal because the average career is is three years. And in exceeding that, it just kind of shows you, one, how blessed you are, but two, that you actually belong and um, you're doing something right in the process. Did you ever think you might go NBA? I had goals to to go to the NBA or at least play overseas. The more realistic route coming out of college was to uh, play overseas as I had opportunities to play over there. But I kind of put it on hold just to see how, how the football thing went. You know, it's kind of safe to say that I didn't look back <laughs> once I... <laughs> <laughs> Once I started uh, attacking it. Do you miss it? it? Like, you don't look back, but do you, I'm just kind of, it's hard to go away from something if you played Div 1 for four years. I don't miss it as much as I thought I would. It's kind of crazy at the way I look at things. Basketball prepared me for this opportunity. And the opportunities I had before playing Division 1 basketball prepared me for that. So I always look at things as a constant. It's, it's like you're laying the bricks. Mm-hmm. And, and all, obviously, this opportunity that I do have in the NFL will prepare me and propel me for whatever's next if I utilize my resources correctly. So uh, it's, it's just building blocks for me, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm also kind of curious with a big shift like that. A couple times in my life when I've made big shifts, and every time I take a long time to decide it, and every time I look back and I was like, I should have done that earlier. This sounds like a pretty big shift. I, I presume, but I don't know. Maybe it, like your family supports you, your friend supports you. In, in like in the moment, was it difficult for everybody? Was it difficult? I'm yeah, looking for the, ways to like help me make choices faster, more like take opportunities. Right. And thankfully, I had a support system in my family and, and coaches around me to kind of be behind whatever decision I was going to make. Were they aware that you know the likelihood of things being successful were probably low given my situation? Sure. I was aware of that as well. But it was something about, to your point, I don't ever want to look back on something and say, man, I should have did that. You know, the cost of me not taking that chance would have been, in my eyes, a blown opportunity. So I think part of that is just just embracing, you know, stepping out and doing things outside of your comfort zone and, um, you know, having the why not mentality. Why not? You know, what what do you have to lose? I should have talked to you a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay so if you look you up online you immediately say this the really cool play that you're in so it's a, a trick play this is i think your your first touchdown your only touchdown and my first and only touchdown okay i haven't played in the nfl obviously but i feel like turning downfield and looking at an end zone and knowing between you and the end zone has got to be an amazing feeling it was an amazing feeling but at the same time what was going through my head at the time is listen you got to get down there and score. There's no way that <laughs> there's absolutely no way that you don't get down there and you get tackled before, you know, the goal line or before uh, you get a touchdown. So um, it, it was definitely a good feeling, uh, definitely a reassuring feeling knowing that it, it kind of came full circle in terms of the work that I put in uh, to get to that moment and to have that big moment. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's gotta be a major milestone in an offensive player's life. A career, right? Uh, absolutely, and, and again, I'm, I'm I'm looking at things from the standpoint of where I started and, and having that moment to score 
my first NFL touchdown from a running back on Monday night football where the whole country is watching. Um, I think it doesn't get better than that. So it, it was one of those things and moments that I always cherish and I'll never forget. Oh man. How many times have you watched that play? Oh, I shouldn't even ask. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play by play right now. <laughs> Actually, I'm kind of curious. You always see games from on the sidelines or on the field and that play you see. So it's, what's it like seeing it from, this is, I don't know if this is a useful question for anyone at all, but I'm satisfying my own curiosity. I mean, how does it look different from looking at it from above in the camera as to actually living the play? Is it more interesting, less interesting? I think it's better just living the play and being out there and, and hearing the crowd and getting support and encouragement and celebration from your teammates. That's the part that you will never forget. Watching it on TV is also good. The only difference is you're hearing the commentary to back it. But I wouldn't trade that for, for anything. Being in it being in it. I would not. And okay. Now we're getting to something that I think I'd like to talk to athletes about, and it touches on something. Also, when I talked to, I've done a bunch of stuff at West Point and the military does, the military has a concept of service. It's very, very deeply ingrained and and we're on the same team And, and sports has teamwork beyond what I think business people often talk about teamwork, but I don't think it's at the same level that sports is. And I would suspect that when you said you had, you brought things from basketball that were things you can't teach. I would guess it's that teamwork that when you're out on the field, I presume you're doing stuff for yourself. You're doing stuff for the fans. You're doing stuff for the team. How is it from your perspective? I mean, you said I better get in that goal because they're, the team's trust. Are you talking about the team? You're talking about the fans? It's more so for my teammates. I think there's a certain level of, of accountability that each of us hold each other to. And for me, the standard is the lowest bar. I'm not going lower than the standard. So I have no choice but to exceed that, meet that or exceed that standard in terms of just being the best teammate I could be, being the best uh, player I could be, um, being the best representative for my coaches, my family, all those that believe in me. So that came from just more of a self-accountability standpoint because it's a domino effect. If I don't do right by myself, more than likely, uh, my teammates or, or my coaches, I'm not going to do right by them. So I kind of hold myself to, to a higher standard uh, before anybody else. Do I read you right that if you, were, if you were to try to reach your potential by yourself, without coaches, without a team, how you wouldn't be able to reach what you do? Is that right? I mean, that having a team, you have a certain potential. I, this is the way it seems to me. Do you have a certain potential if you're just on your own? If you were just some guy trying to run as fast as you could, trying to jump as high as you could, you get to a certain level. And then with a, once you have a team depending on you, it feels like that's going to take you to a whole other level. Right. And it's, I don't think that's so, I, I mean, I've played on teams, not quite, not, not at this level. And I loved it. I mean, it was really hard because you had to sacrifice a lot, but it didn't feel like sacrifice. It was just, right. I'm just curious, what is, how is that for you at your level? I think it's pretty consistent with, with what I said in terms of just having everyone kind of, relying on you. I know it's kind of, it's an added pressure, but it's a good pressure, if that makes sense. It's a good pressure in the sense that it's almost a booster for you to, or more of an incentive for you to continue to excel and continue to keep doing what you're doing. That's who I would owe it to partially. 
I love what we can do for each other. I mean, stewardship is a big piece of what I do. What I, you know, people are like, why do you love the environment so much? I'm like, it's people. It's other people that I'm helping and trying not to hurt. And actually, the pandemic, right now we're off season and professional sports has got to be hit hard by the pandemic. And what would you normally be doing now? It's April 29th and it's off season. Maybe you wouldn't be practicing or you would be practicing. Would you be in touch with the team? Yeah, we would be practicing physically, obviously, at the stadium and at our workplace. But um, that's kind of taken from us um, due to this, the conditions we're in as a country right now. Um, but our team, our organization is doing whatever we can in terms of just holding virtual meetings. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, um, it's obviously it's not the same, but we kind of have no choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so we have to yeah. work with have. You does know, that bring people down? Does it, does it, uh, it could be that the season starts, but August, September, tough to say. And then you're going to have a whole bunch of people who aren't really in practice. I mean, it's not like any other field is any, has any greater sense of what's to come. What do you think about when you think about when the next season might be, if it might be or what? I'm in the mindset of controlling whatever I can. And, and believe it or not, I look at this opportunity because you kind of have to, pivot and turn, you know, negatives into positives. So that's why I say opportunity. I look at this opportunity as a chance for me as a competitor to get my edge. And what I mean is seeing that, okay, given the circumstances, everybody doesn't have access to a gym or everybody might not, you know, have the same type of focus they have in the workplace versus home with their kids and their spouses and and, and their families. I, as a competitor, I'm figuring out a way to, to to find my edge. If that means knowing that, okay, guys are not working out as hard or not studying as hard because they're not in front of coaches, and believe it or not, I guess we're all human. So some some people have a level of comfort in knowing that, you know, well, I could I could let down. I could let my guard down because I'm not being held as accountable as I would if I was face-to-face with the coach. That's an opportunity for me to find my edge and, and know that, okay, this is an opportunity for me to get ahead of the curve. This is an opportunity for me to, whenever that day comes where things open back up and, and we're on the field, I want to be the guy that looks like I haven't missed a beat. You know, so I'm not going to use this opportunity as a competitor. I'm not going to use this opportunity as a crutch um, for me to not accomplish whatever I accomplish. When you talk, I can't help but think of like Jerry Rice is would like thrive in a situation like this. You just exercise more. And that sounds like what you're doing is competition. Yeah. So many people out there have this idea of competition. It's like beat, 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 win, like defeat the other. But I think to compete also means to reach your potential, to reach absolutely what you possibly can. And so when you say it's an opportunity, it's like, I also think the situation, and we have to preface this, that there are people who are dying and, and there are people who are like putting themselves in harm's way, the doctors and so forth. But for the rest of us, it's the opportunity that we make of it we can make it an opportunity. It sounds like you are. It sounds like you're, dare I say, thriving in, in this. I mean, I'd rather not have the situation, but given that it's here, it's, yeah, we can do so much and achieve so much. So are, I, I presume you're working out solo or? Yes. Like, I'm trying to think of like these rocky situations where you're like waking up in the morning, it's just you and you have to go run up the art museum steps or something like that. <laughs> no, I, um, I, have a, I have a school field that I have access to. Uh, thankfully that that I'm able to get my work in and you know for what it's worth right is it the same quality of work that 
I would have at a uh, NFL state-of-the-art facility? No, it's not. However, I could sit down and dwell on the fact that I don't have access to that, or I could go ahead and, and make the most of the situation. I think that goes back to just literally controlling whatever is in front of you. Unfortunately, we can't control a de- uh, debilitating uh, virus that's capturing the lives and, and jobs of a lot of people. And, and thankfully, I'm not uh, somebody that's directly affected by that, not to undermine those that are. However, what am I going to do? You know, that's, that's something that I can't control. What am I going to do within my control that could allow myself to, to develop not only as a, you know, a, a football player, maybe as a, a partner, a spouse, you know, a person? There's plenty of ways that uh, we could utilize our time, the time that we're given uh, in this situation to our advantage in a way. And I love sports. I love what it brings out in people. I mean, uh, thank you for sharing that. If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small, doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodick.com slash donate. I'm going to jump over if it's okay with you to the environment. And is the environment something that is important to you? Is it something that you think about or act on? If I haven't jumped topics too abruptly. No, 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 no. Um, it's definitely something that it's something that I'm always aware of. You can't run away from it, right? It's always there. And sometimes you might take even take that for granted. But to answer your question, it, it is important to me. It is important to me. Um, and I synonymous with, you know, that level of accountability that I have to my teammates. Um, I look at that there's as one person, right? There's a level of accountability that I have to everybody else, my environment, you know, and, and you don't want certain behaviors or acts to compound and turn into something much worse, but it starts with one person. So when you think about it, what, what do you think about it? Are there memories or images or, or things that come to mind? Um, I think about the first, honestly, the first, when you bring up the word environment, the first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, you know, seeing trash on the floor, uh-huh. you know, that. That's my environment. You know, um, I'm from New York City. And as you know, New York City is a densely populated area with a lot of people. Take the subway a lot growing up and and taking a look at, you know, the environment in the subways. Rats. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at that. And those are the things that kind of bruise my mind when you when you bring up the word environment. It's, it's, It's what's surrounding me. Are you in New York right now? Charlotte. North okay, Carolina. so uh, do you live there now, I guess? Yeah, I live in Charlotte. I'm born and raised in New York. I'm curious if it's, if it's different in Charlotte than New York. I mean, obviously the population is less dense. Is it cleaner in proportion to the number of people? Yes, in my opinion. So the first thing, I mean, you kind of laughed, but when you talked about the, um, the trash on the ground, is that something you're annoyed by? Is it something you're, it's no big deal? Or is it, 
It's something, again, growing, growing up in New York, it's something that it is unsightly. However, seeing it every day, you have you kind of get immune to to seeing it. So for me, it's it's kind of one of those things coming from New York where you see it all the time. And you don't want to consider that the new normal, but it, it kind of is what it is. So I'm reading that it's like acceptance, maybe some frustration though, because I'm seeing a difference between what you're saying about uh, with regard to practice, it's like you put everything in or, or preparing yourself. And, but with the garbage, it's like, oh, maybe that's one of the things that's outside of your control. Right. So what I like to ask, and this is at your option, but I invite you at your option, given that the, one of the first things you think about, or maybe the first thing you think about was trash on the ground. If there's something you could do, however short-lived, you know, experimental, or just for a little while, to act on, on that. And what I'm not saying is to fix all the world's problems by yourself overnight. It's not about things outside of your control. But something with a couple of constraints that, that you do yourself, as opposed to telling, I work with a lot of leaders and a lot of people like, oh, I'll tell someone else to do it. But to do yourself, and it could be short, it could be long, it could be big, it could be small, but something measurable, something, I mean, you don't have to measure it, but something you could do to act on that in some way. And then if you're up for it, then to share how it went on a second conversation. Yes. So what's something you could do? I'm thinking of several things I could do. One of them could be uh, using my platform <laughs> and encouraging people to take pride in their environment. Uh, another thing that I could do is also look at myself and be an example to other people, not only say it, but do it. And, and I guess seeing if people would take heed to that, mm-hmm. people would look at it and say, okay, Chris is doing it. Chris is an NFL athlete. He's taking it seriously. Maybe I should too. You just got the whole point of my podcast. <laughs> I mean, why I try to bring in well-known people, people that people look up to, people that people feel comfortable following. And what's something you could do? Because I also want the second episode is I put these episodes together so that people can, I hope to give you that platform. I mean, obviously you have a platform already, but to make that possible. So what's something you could do specifically if it's okay? Because what I'd like to do is say like, if you do it for a week or a month or a week or whatever, then I could have you back and you could say, this is what I did. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I'm, I'm trying to think of creative ways I could do things. I mean, it could be something as simple <laughs> as going to a public park and rolling up your sleeves safely, safely, mm-hmm. and, you know, disposing of things that's out of place, trash on the floor, you know. As of now, that's the only thing I could possibly think of outside of a public service announcement or some type of social media promotion to encourage taking pride in your environment. But those are the first two options that come, come to my mind. Well, actually, the picking stuff up is something that several people have done on the podcast. In fact, a couple of mayors from Florida did it and they shared with their, well, they shared on here and presumably with their constituency, like I picked up garbage. And right. yeah, actually, it's also something I do. I pick up a piece of trash every day, which is kind of funny. I'm outside the city, right? I normally live in Manhattan. I'm outside the city now in a semi-rural area. So I have to walk a bit. I have to walk farther to pick up my garbage. So right. it's like, I have to put a little more effort in. I really enjoy it. And how long do you think you'd have to do it before if we had a second conversation? that you could share what it was like? Um, I would assume whenever this uh, coronavirus situation subsides, you know, it's kind of a, I guess, a risky time to be doing those type of things. But, you know, maybe maybe in a few weeks, hopefully. So if we scheduled a call 
uh, another recording for what's today? So in, at the end of May, early June, early June. Okay. So after we hang up, after we stop recording. Yeah. Okay. Then I predict that you'll enjoy it. Never tried it though. So it's the first time for everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that right now, most people listening to this and most people not listening to this, most people in the world, and I don't want to like lead you into anything because I, I hope you have your own personal experience. But I think that a lot of people, they pass by garbage in the park and they think, oh, that's terrible. Someone should do something about that, even as they walk past it. And I think a couple of NFL players share how they're doing that. I think people might be like, oh, that's a shame, but I'm going to do something about it. And I, I think that kind of goes back to what I said, what I would call like the everyone having a diffusion of responsibility, everybody assuming that somebody's going to take care of it, right? What am I going to do? Somebody else is going to take care of it. I'll assume somebody else takes care of it. And that person that they assume is going to take care of it is assuming somebody else is going to take care of it. It's a never ending circle and nothing gets done. It's the opposite of teamwork. Total opposite of teamwork. Yeah. I never thought, I mean, I did, I guess I did think about it that way, but not so quite a minute later. Have you ever, you know, was driving on the freeway and you saw a, a, a car accident or a, a major car accident and you drove past it and you assumed that, okay, they probably called 911? Everybody that's driving past that accident is assuming, yeah, somebody probably called 911. When sometimes nobody called 911. It takes just that one person to be just, okay, let me call 911 and address this emergency. Yeah, you know, I was just, I was listening to someone else's podcast and he was saying oh. that, Studies show there's a lot of media out right now that says how to take care of yourself during lockdown, how to make sure, you know, how to, how to protect your well-being. And he said, studies show that people's moods get much better when they help others more than compared to if they help themselves. And if you really want to help yourself to, in these times to find someone else to help. But I, I see very little coverage of that in the media. It's, it's service to others. Helping others is in, in actual practice brings our mood up much more than, I don't know, getting massages or whatever it is for, that people do for their well-being. I mean, why not both? If you, but yeah, I think that service to others, that teamwork, that stewardship is, is uh, underrated in Very our society. Important. Very important. Well, now I hope we can, after we um, finish recording, schedule the next time. Uh, oh, maybe pick up here next time. But I'd yeah. like to close each, each conversation with, uh, is there anything to sh- that you'd like to share directly with listeners either something that came up or something that didn't come up that you want to share. Uh, regarding that topic or just... It could be on that or it could be just on, on anything. I would probably share with people, and I know it's very, very hard to do. I'm a big proponent of... I study a lot of philosophy, Epictetus, Stoicism, uh-huh. controlling yourself, controlling your emotions. Don't allow this time, given all the chaos and circumstances that's going on, do not allow this let this time take control of uh, where you want to go, what you want to be, whatever you want to accomplish. Take this time for what it's worth. Cause I, I know a lot of people are on the front line, so they're probably working overtime, but for those that are the opposite of that, try your very best to, to improve yourself, you know, try your very best to, to improve yourself. And that could be open to a, a an array of, of different things. Um, like I discussed earlier, try, try to be a better person, try to be a better teammate. If, if, if you're into sp- spirituality, try to be better at that. You know, if, if you have a partner or spouse married, not married, 
try to be a better partner. Try to be a better father. Try to be a better mother. You know, try to be a better uh, brother to your siblings. And that would be my uh, takeaway in all of this and in, in, in trying to force myself to focus on taking this as an opportunity to to spend time and, and do things that I wouldn't usually do. Oh, wow. Now, now, as much as I love talking about sports, I could, I'd really want to jump into talking about stoicism and philosophy. I could see myself jumping into it now, but can we start with that? Can we talk a bunch about that next time? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Now I feel almost like, oh, I didn't take advantage of that, but we'll, we'll pick it up next time. Mm-hmm. Are you a big proponent of it as well? Or you're just... Well, stoicism in particular, when you said, you said earlier something about things that you can't control. And that to me is one of the big dividing things of how a stoic looks at life is like, is this something I can do something about or not? Like my mom is, she is like reading the times, she's reading the news all the time and talking about all these things that have, there's nothing she can do about. And it's most of the time she's fine with it, but every now and then she freaks out. And I'm like, that's like getting mad at the rain. It's, or gravity. It's like, I call things gravity problems. If, if mm-hmm. you get, you know, if you drop something, it breaks, you don't get mad at gravity. So when you said that, I was thinking of stoicism right. and I could have gone on that. Now, as soon as you started saying it at the end here, I was thinking, oh, I should have followed that line. Right. Yeah. I found it very useful, many different things. And so I'm curious how it fits in with other things as well. A hard practice, you know, because human nature usually takes over a lot of the time. So it's one of the, Half of the time, it's one of those things where you have to consciously force yourself to take a step back and realize, okay, is this outside of the locus of my control or not? Okay, to your point, whatever side you're on um, and however you feel about this COVID virus situation, all of that is irrelevant unless you could directly make a change to it. Um, all of that, in, in my opinion, and if I can't fix it or if I can't do anything to fix the problem, I'm not going to uh, use my energy and put into something that's going to leave me with the same results going into it, if that makes sense. Yeah, because then there are things that are under your control. And if you can't control it, you got you know? other things you can worry about. And if you, if that gets you down, then you're in serious trouble. I can control my attitude, you know, as an athlete. I can control how I prepare for an opponent. I can't control J.J. Watt being as good as he is. I cannot control that, but I can control how I prepare for him. I can control studying him. I can control knowing his deficiencies and what he's weak at. I can control my effort. You know, those are the things that I can control. We're going to pick up here next time. And I'm also going to be curious about how the things you can control about things in your environment as well and yes. that we all can yes well Chris Manhurts thank you very much I look forward to next time no problem I appreciate it thanks for having me I hope that the audio picked up what I could see in the video which was him smiling and admittedly somewhat guarded his enthusiasm I saw for acting on the environment and I hope it didn't sound too selfish earlier on in the conversation asking about what I personally find intriguing about the actual experience of professional athleticism. I just love hearing about that stuff. I presume everyone else does. I certainly do. And I also feel not bad, but a little bad about not picking up on the stoicism that he presented earlier. But I also hope that what we started at the end of the conversation, actually both things, the environmental action and the philosophy, I hope that motivates you, as it does me, to listen for next time. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? 
step-by-step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.